Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another Bald Move Prestige podcast. Today, we're talking about the 2021 Nick Cage vehicle Pig, directed by Michael Sarnowski, and it was written by a story based on uh, work by Michael Sarnowski and his classmate at Yale, Vanessa Block. This is his debut film. Uh, Vanessa's worked on one uh, documentary the year before. It stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolf, and Adam Arkin. Nicholas Cage needs no introduction. Uh, Alex Wolf, um, gee whiz, what's he been in? He's been in stuff like, why am I blanking on this? Hereditary, Jumanji, pretty big range of things. Uh, some of the most uh, hmm. well-regarded horror and sci-fi and, and fantasy family entertainment in the last few years. Um, and Adam Arkin is the brother of uh, uh, the other Alan. Arkin. The other Arkin. Yeah. Uh, I know him mostly from stuff like uh, he was really good in Northern Exposure. He was really good in as a as a big crime boss in the later seasons of Justified. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's got a small, pretty small cast, pretty small movie. This film is 97 percent fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. People are hailing it as the best film in Nick Cage's already storied career. Um. I went into this with as few expectations as I possibly could. And then when we were recording yeah. the, the, the promos for next for this week, you mentioned that it was something like a John wick with a pig. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Okay. Well, that, <laughs> I didn't, I had no idea it was like about that. So, okay. Oh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. That's how the movie's being marketed. I'm not sure if that's the movie I got. Jim, what do you think of pig? Uh, agree. Like hard agree on that. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that, made the movie interesting to me because mm. I kind of expected Nick Cage doing the John Wick thing to go find his beloved truffle pig that had been stolen uh, and going into Portland to fight the seedy underworld of, of truffle pig stealers, thieves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I didn't really get that, but I did at the same time. It's th- This movie kind of defies description in a lot of ways. Um because when you try and boil it down to like, hey, this is John Wick, but maybe without as much violence, it it sounds boring. But then when you say, hey, this is a movie about like <laughs> life and and the values that make it worth living and and like some of the higher concept stuff that they're doing here is really good, but also it doesn't belong anywhere near a John Wick movie. So I. I don't know how what to tell people about this movie. Like, go in with zero expectations, really, and I think you'll be satisfied. At least I certainly was. I think that there is um, there's a meta f- an, a framework in this film about deconstruction of things. I'm not sure. going to spoil it because I, I I I need to save some of these for the the spoiler discussion because I think this movie definitely benefits if you go in with as little expectations and as, as knowledge as possible. Um, but, but this movie has this, this meta narrative, which allows it to, um, have a surface reading of just being about things being deconstructed and, uh, you know, making familiar things foreign and foreign things familiar. So I think there is, um, some interesting things, points to be made by saying like, this is a deconstructed John Wick. This is a revenge film that has almost no physical violence. Um, and what do you think about that? The problem is I was aware every fucking second that the thing was being deconstructed. And I was also being aware of the fact that it was being reconstructed on my plate with the chef just off the of frame saying like, uh, uh-huh, what do you think? You like it? Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. Huh? Uh-huh. And I just, I don't know, man, this film felt I, like, like I would describe this film as mannered. Like everything sure. about the aesthetic, everything about the shot selection, everything about the performances, which are u- universally good. Like 
Yeah. Jo- uh, Nicholas Cage is very good in this film. Um, but like I said, it just, it just really felt like that. It didn't feel like something happening or happening organically. It felt, it felt a lot more like the thing that I felt like the film was trying to decry rather than, you know, this, this other kind of unique art, art, artistic and, uh, achievement that I think it wanted to be. But it's interesting. I, I'm kind of looking forward to getting into the spoiler stuff because I want yeah. to hear you hear the way that you approach this movie because i think we might have approached it a little bit differently because i was coming in with an expectation about john wick and these type of movies which maybe after seeing this movie i don't know if i really want to go back to a john wick style movie because i I think this movie is very well constructed and it's very deliberately constructed but for me there was a sort of pleasure in seeing the construction of the movie as it played out Mm -hmm. And every time I would go into a scene thinking I had figured this movie out, it would sort of surprise me again. And yeah, I, I guess I enjoyed that experience. And by the end of it, it, I felt that it actually had something to say, which is not true in any way of John Wick. Like those type mm-hmm. of revenge movies have absolutely nothing to say about life. This movie does. And it, it comes off feeling like, a professional chef, a very high class professional chef trying to say something uh, about their profession that makes it very important. And boy, mm-hmm. people who don't understand this, they're just missing out on such a large aspect of life. It, that part, like, I can see where that would put people off, and it kind of puts me off too. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, what it is saying underneath, I do think has value. And yeah. also, I enjoyed just, you know, you see a well-constructed meal on a plate. I feel like this movie is one of those and I appreciated it for what it was. So it's so funny because I feel like I am literally on the opposite side of the microphone of the Mandy uh, review that we had. Yeah. Yeah. Where I was saying something's like, well, don't you just like the colors and the visual like like that movie is all about a tone and a feeling and a look. Uh-huh. And it has absolutely nothing going on between its ears. This right. film is the opposite, where everything is carefully constructed to mean something. Like, I imagine, mm-hmm. like, just even the framing of the shot, like, look at this extreme, look at this extreme long shot of these two people sitting in the room in such an intimate situation, but I'm, I'm filming it from 45 fucking feet away. And also, over the course of this five-minute scene, you're going to be imperceptibly aware of the fact I'm pushing in on it. Show, like... And it all mean it all it all it all means something, and it's like it doesn't allow you to kind of like sit there and like kind of wash over you. It's almost like clearing its throat, asking you to like analyze everything. Because otherwise, like I feel like this film is not very much fun to watch. No, and like Mandy was the opposite, where I found it was like extremely fun to watch, um, like extremely inventive and and undisciplined and kind of wild in its visuals. This film is the exact opposite. It is using it's 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 yeah. playing by all the rules, observing all the niceties, um, uh, aping every aesthetic from a art house film you've seen in the last ten years, making full use of the glorious dark levels that new cameras and screens are capable of. So mm-hmm. and and yeah, like yeah, it looks great. And I would say also it's not just in its aesthetic; it's also in the construction of the script and the construction of. Uh, the narrative that it's telling it's it's a very well constructed movie from that regard too there are parts of this movie in the beginning that you know if if you want to show not tell there are things they do at the end that would have been tell if they had done them earlier but they've already shown us so they're not and I I think yes that is the hallmark of like a well written script it's it's something that or at least the baseline of a well-written script, right? I I need maybe something a little bit more than that, but also if you don't nail these fundamentals, then the whole movie comes off feeling amateurish. Uh, You you said it, the word fundamentals, like these are rock fucking solid. I even have my notes that like the way that they're able to just endlessly layer characterization on the Nick Cage with just like 15 second scenes, like uh, him getting his car ready to start. (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like tells you something without telling you something that's already told you. It's like getting like, OK, he's this type of person. And it just keeps highly specifying almost throughout. Like it like it doesn't stop until like two thirds of the film where it drops the final piece of into this like, oh, what this guy's about. 
Yeah. The problem is when I look back at the film, I'm not sure I understand how we got here. It's like, okay, it's a John Wick, Heart of Darkness revenge film, and it's deconstructed and subverted, but also there's still enough magical realism layered on it that it's like, I, I don't yeah. know that I can take the film serious, as serious as it wants to be taken. Yeah, I feel um, you there, because there, like, there are moments you, that surprised me in a way that I, I'm not sure I like. Uh, I think there's one thing in this movie that is kind of really dumb and out of place. And, I, but I it, know exactly which one you're going to say, too. But it also spices things up, too, right? It's like, did they put this in here just because they realized they had this script that could have been stuffy and boring? And yeah, like it, this film has no pulse. Let's let's it, give it a heart right. transplant from a different from from the crazy film you think you were going to get. Yes. And I, yeah, it didn't work like, for me because I it's so unbelievable to me. It's so ridiculous and over the top yes. that yeah, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't buy it. But something needed to happen there. And I think that's what they were going for. I will say this, like, I think that this film and maybe this is why a certain segment of especially the online film critics are going crazy for if you, I guess if you're not old enough to really remember when Nick Cage was a serious actor and did well-regarded like indie kind of things and got one like, yeah, if, if all you know is like Ghost Rider era Nick Cage, <laughs> like like if, if you're if you're cutting the teeth on Nick Cage was like The Rock, then this is probably some kind of like huge fucking blower. You know, it's like being able to go back and see like, you know, all the LeBron stands going to go back and see like Michael Jordan in his prime. You know, mm. it's like it's it's different when you see it, you know, not like, oh, look at this well-regarded thing that everyone's talked about. But this is like something and everyone's just like spilling ink, falling all over how much they love Nick Cage, which I'm not opposed to. It's just I don't know. I, I feel like I, I read so much press on this because anytime that I'm out out of step, which is what I feel is like, you know, the mainstream opinion, I try to feel like figure out ex- why, yeah, you know, yeah. why it is. And the one thing I saw, like a commonality, was like a lot of these people write in this way. Like I saw this exact formation, like like two or three different times. If if you are at all aware of where these two men are at and their at this points in their career, I'm like motherfucker. How aware are you of Michael Cernoski's career? Like, have you been following his student projects at Yale? Is that like it's it's like the it's like a lot of the things that people were writing about it is writing it like. I want you to know that I'm in on all the jokes and I'm in on all the stuff and I get all the. It's like, I don't know. It's it's weird. Yeah. It's, film it's this cinema hipsters, right? Like, oh, I, li- I was yeah. into Sarnowski yeah, yeah, before. Yeah. It was cool. Yes. Yes. And like literally three weeks ago, that was the case because he's right. he wasn't. He, as far as I know, like I said, I mean, maybe he's got a one paragraph Wikipedia article. I'm sure in 10 years it'll be. All kinds of stuff, but like, oh yeah, it just it just but, got but he, me. This yeah. is his debut feature, so like, yeah, the mainstream audience was not aware of him at all. Right, but I've, be? I've been noticing that a lot. Like, one director gets like one well-regarded like indie kind of thing that gets a little bit, and then Marvel cast him, and everybody's like, everyone, know, you know, it's like the way they talk about it is like mm-hmm. they want you to know that they, you know, that they know who this person was. Before they read it in like fucking uh, Variety or, you know, the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Um, also, I've seen Nick Cage do better performances than this. This isn't a demanding performance in any way. This dude, the, all this asks this of is him his... is to be quiet and stoic and occasionally punctuate it with some compassion. And right. I don't think those are hard things to hit. I've seen him do adaptation. I've seen him do leaving Las Vegas stuff that is much more nuanced than this. I think, especially adaptation. Uh, yeah. And, and playing multiple characters and extremely demanding stuff. This is like not super impressive to me, although I think he's good and he's yeah. everything he, the film needed him to be. I don't think it's a hard thing to do. But that goes back to my my thesis. If you're a 24 year old writing for some online outlet and, you know, this is the first time you've seen Nick, you know, Grandpa Cage, you know, t- take some shit seriously, then yeah. then I get it. But like, yeah, saying that this is like his best performance in years. OK, maybe but best performance period, like where I saw n- more than one person and, and saying that this needs to like he needs serious Oscar buzz and Oscars like I just don't know. I don't know because it's fine. But like. Again, the, the, I think the some things in the film's premise betray the greatness. Like, there's a couple scenes where it's like, 
I want to laugh out loud because this film, man, this film yeah. steals from everything from Fight Club to I'm not even joking, Ratatouille. <laughs> um, and some of those scenes, like I, huh. they want to work on one level, but there's two other levels that are actively being undermined because Nick Cage, you know, his face, he looks like he got drug out of a cave in Afghanistan after six years. Yeah. And, and then people roughed him up on top of it. And there's this like, I don't. I don't know is we is, but it's, um, it's 90 minutes long. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I, I, in fact, the first 15 minutes, I was kind of borderline in love with this, this movie because I'm like, holy shit, Nick Cage has been cast into my new favorite genre. Dudes making fires in the woods. <laughs> I fucking, yeah, I want to this is I'm, I'm really, but like the more I found out about the character, the more I didn't care about the stakes in his life. And, this should be like, yeah, I'm get, I'm knowing more and more about him, but I'm feeling less and less attached to the character. But um, hmm. yeah, it's like you said, it's uh, don't don't listen to me though, because literally ninety seven percent of the rest of the planet is saying that this is a revel releva- revelation. It's it's a uh, it's an insightful commentary on everything from capitalism to climate to uh, the state of Hollywood production. Uh, hmm. to how we feel about uh, toxic, masculine, hyper-violent action films. Sure. And it's going to really fucking flip your wig. I'm the 3% that's like, okay, I did, it, 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 just, just ricocheted off my wig. So Yeah, I, I agree with about half of those takes. It kind of flipped my wig because I didn't know what to expect uh, from scene to scene. And also, I do think it has something valuable to say about uh, capitalism and a life well lived, things like that. Uh, but those other things, I don't know about those. Yeah, and I agree. With some of the, like I said, I obviously some of that ethos is being pitched right down my home plate. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm, I'm not. I don't know. Like I said, I'm not unsympathetic to it. It's just it was always weird in the context of what was happening. I, I feel like we need to get into spoilers. We do, because. You probably need to watch this film. You can watch it uh, out in the theater or you can rent it for like seven bucks anywhere. Apple mm-hmm. TV, Amazon, uh, if, uh, I'm sure Google Play, where, wherever it'll rent you a place will rent you this thing for seven bucks. It's 90 minutes long. It's a pretty breezy watch. Um, it does have beautiful cinematography. Mm-hmm. It has pretty pretty interesting nuance work for some of this stuff i've never seen uh alex wolf in anything that he wasn't kind of like a little shit you know like a little twerp i i guess yeah. i still haven't he's a little bit of a twerp in this film too but he's he like he, he's gonna get like he's got a, a jason schwartzman career arc so far right okay uh, i haven't seen like any this, of the other things he's been in so oh you didn't see hereditary i thought you did i don't think so Okay, because he's kind of like got that uh, and, and he's kind of like taken this is a, a bit of an I heart Huckabee's turn from him where it's a little bit serious arty. Um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it, uh, he uh, winds up. Um, okay, where do you want to start? Everyone that hasn't seen this, I, I guess uh, this is should I give a synopsis? Because I feel like, again, you should know, okay, Nicholas Cage he's he's uh, Henry of uh, uh, what Walden Thoreau, Emerson Thoreau? I forget the guy's name. He's he's on Walden ponding it for some reason. He's mm-hmm. he's eschewing modern civilization and shacking up with a pig that finds truffles. Uh, Alex Wolf plays his truffle buyer mm-hmm. that that you know is the middleman between him and and uh, fancy restaurant cheers and and Portland. Um, and very early on in the film, much like in John Wick, tragedy strikes. And his beloved pig is kidnapped for its truffle hunting prowess. The rest is the, the movie is Nick Cage having to return to the world that he once abandoned uh, to rescue his beloved pig and seek vengeance against those who wronged him. Yeah. And uh, there you go. Uh, let's let's uh, it, this is last chance. Spoilers from here on out. Let's let's get to it, Jim. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Uh, where do you want to start? Uh, I guess let's start in the shack where the movie starts. You said you were pretty enamored by this part, so this might be yeah. fun to talk about. Uh, yeah. what what is it about? Because the movie is not not about this part of of the film, right? I feel like it all does come back to this shack in the end uh what is it that appeals to you about the shack life the the shacking up with a pig life i guess it's the same thing as thoreau like it's a rejection of everything that modern life is telling you you need to be happy is that it the contrarianism or turn well it's not i I think there's some wisdom to it that like yeah the simplicity that like you know you watch tv for 15 minutes and you'll get pitched five things that's missing from your life right and none whereas, of them are actually missing from your life. It's just manufactured uh, desire. Whereas if you go and you exist in a wild space for like a week, you come away with the appreciation of how little you actually need to sustain yourself. Yeah. And how little time it takes to provide that, you know. And that was uh, one of the most interesting things to me is seeing the trades that he's making, right? Because he's digging up these truffles, which if you know anything I feel about the culinary world, you know that truffles are valuable. Uh, yes. and, and truffle oil is expensive. Truffles themselves are expensive. It's a great way to ruin some French fries. <laughs> Maybe so. I've never had it. Uh, <laughs> but he seems to be trading them for cans of beans and bags of flour. It's things that don't have much monetary value in our society. But him living off grid in this cabin, this is the thing that sustains him, right? He's not trading it for fancy cars like this truffle buyer is. He's trading it for life-sustaining goods. And that seems and, and to be the, the thing that distinguishes him from society. And, and what, you know, what, so what do you lose from not, from dropping out and not participating in materialist culture? I mean, obviously you're not going to be, you know, seeing things like pig and you're not going to have a high def television. You're not going to, but what, what are the things that you gain and like, you know, appreciation for literature the time to like be with your thoughts, maybe it's a sense of peace and serenity. But also like a, a first big clue about this guy falls in a place where he goes and, uh, you know, he's got the truffles and that's how he pays for his existence. But like he makes this. What I, I could even tell was like this world class uh, mushroom tart for just him and his pig. So yeah, like, the whole framework of the movie is around food, which mm-hmm. I think is is fitting. Uh, and this part one is the rustic mushroom tart. Right. So they're getting this idea is like, you know, well, like he's dropped out and he's not, you know, impressing anybody with his grooming or his dress or his expensive things. But he has got like he's living well. Mm-hmm. He's got all the companionship he wants. He's eating fine foods. He's got. To, so, like, I, I guess that's what it appeals to me is that the the trade offs. Um, and I'm, you know, obviously I'm I'm a podcaster. I live my life 24 seven online. Like, I am not ready to commit to that. But yeah. that's the appeal to it. Sure. Uh, to me. Yeah, I understand that. Um, the simplicity. As someone who is currently selling their house, looking for a new place to live, trying to sustain a 60 plus hour a week job uh-huh. uh, and, and moving shit actively, uh, the simplicity of it certainly appeals to me in this moment. Yeah. Like, what is all this shit? <laughs> what do I got all this right? shit for? What am I? I wish I didn't have what this I need? shit. Do know? I need 400 video games? No, fuck no. Yeah, yeah. Just throw the shit in the street and move to the woods. <laughs> just shingle your shack with nest cartridges right uh but like the thing is, is like, so this is but this is where the creeping mannerism of this film comes in because like this is all this beautiful storytelling is all kicked off with part one mm-hmm. the wild mushroom tart Th- this and is the just, appetizer right this is the first course of the three course probably more but as it's framed three course meal and that tracks and i get it but also, that's very, very, the film wants me to notice. This isn't like, uh, 
This isn't Quentin Tarantino pulling this shit in Pulp Fiction where no one had ever seen it before. This is yeah. the this is the fucking art house pretentiousness creeping it like intentional knowledge. Pre- but like, again, you know, the, the, the deflection of that is like, well, this is a self-aware critique of all this stuff. So I'm mm, like a little bit like, yeah, uh, I did. this movie ends up coming off with an air of self-importance uh, that I find I, off-putting, but yeah. it, it walks, it straddles that line, like barely comes across to me as like, okay, what it's doing is actually good enough to where I enjoyed the movie as opposed to you know, it, seeing its nose turned up at me and going, fuck you. Yeah, no, you're right. It's not that kind of gatekeeping pretentiousness. It's almost right. just like a copycat pretentiousness. Um, because again, none of the hmm. stuff is like new or innovative. It's exactly the thing you do. If you want to highlight the emotional distance between the character, you f- like, like they know all the school, the, the, know all the film tricks probably because they just, graduated from most prestigious one of the most prestigious uh 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 you know what, what do you call this uh <laughs> mo- mo- uh, filmmaking cinematography well, yeah ivy league yeah, schools, film schools. So, sure. so they've been they've been taught all this stuff so it's like yeah and the, but that's that's the again like is this movie five percent better if it doesn't have these titles what do the titles do for us other than draw attention to Maybe. the fact that like look at this three-act structure and it's similar to a three-course meal and it's going to you know, um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. It, it's tough because I at, at the same time, I'm repulsed by that, but also kind of attracted to its its uh, structure. And, and I think like the character that Nicolas Cage plays, uh, Robin Feld in this, yeah, um, Robin Feld, you know, as former uh, well-regarded, prob- probably the most well-regarded chef in all of Portland. I think based on based on the reputation we see in the film, maybe even bigger. I mean, like if, if someone's yeah. that as big as he is in this film, he's probably got like a worldwide rep. Uh, it's like Bobby Fisher of of uh, he's like the Bobby Fisher of cooking. Sure, yeah, I, I think his name is recognized outside of Portland as well. Um, but he, the way that he approaches the people and the institutions around him is like the part that both. It surprises me, but also it kind of invites me in because when he's talking to that chef in the middle of the movie where he's like trying to find his pig and he gets a restaurant at this this kid's dad's uh, truffle spot, right? Mm-hmm. He goes in and he recognizes the guy. Oh, you worked for me. You worked with me for two months as a bus boy pasta or whatever. Chef. Yeah, as a pasta chef. Pasta chef. And, and I remember exactly what you wanted to do. And, and the way that he doesn't like... He's not judging him when he says, look around you. These people are empty. This restaurant is empty. There's nothing here. You want to open a pub. Why haven't you opened the pub? It's not he's not judging him, right? He's just like almost encouraging him to follow the dream that he knows he has uh, that he still has. And it somehow got distracted along the way and just never did it. It, it. There's that part of the movie is like both pushing that chef inviting me in keeping the chef like i don't know with with sort of the movie's arms around the chef and around Mm -hmm. its audience i i don't know how to describe it but there's not a sort of holier than thou sort of attitude to those scenes Mm -hmm. which is which is weird because i when i think of oh when you describe those scenes i think they could come off as that but i think nicholas cage does a great job not putting any sort of judgment into the dialogue in those moments. Well, no, I think Nicholas Cage understands why he made those because it's essentially because the guy says like, why don't you make the pub? Nobody, nobody likes pubs. And what he means is nobody with money. Right. And fame pays attention to a pub opening. Yeah. You know, if unless you're a gastro pub with some kind of dense foam with locally sourced truffle bathed in the smoke of a burning pine cone, like right. you're not going to get written about, but this isn't real food. These aren't real people. And he says, there's something, the real insightful line from, from cage in the scene was when he says, and they can't, none of these people can be real because they don't know you <laughs> and they don't know you because you've hid yourself. Yeah. That's like, that's a realization. I think that really resonates with, with some people. The fact that like, God, I have been trying to put forth this image because I want to maintain my career. 
I want to maintain my place in society. I want to like I'm I've but like and I I think this is the thing and I'm I'm failing or maybe I'm succeeding but I'm six but like that fucks with you too because you're succeeding at being a fraud when really you know you you like but but what's the cost of being yourself like if he opens up a pub and he like maybe the pub fails or maybe it toils in obscurity or maybe it's a money pit that just never takes off like I don't know it's it can be a sane trade off to go for what's popular and lucrative at the expense of what is satisfying to your to your soul yeah um, i think maybe the tragedy here is that he never even tried right there's a line also also later um in this scene at the very end i think where he says we don't get a lot of things to care about and i think that is like he the, this chef has discarded the thing that he cared about because he thinks that it wouldn't be successful he thinks that people wouldn't want it um yeah. it, but he's never tried it so like yeah he has discarded the thing that he cared about in favor of things that he doesn't care about why yeah without even trying well that's the thing i guess the film that's the thing that okay now we're getting to where it really kind of bugs me and maybe this is my creeping cynicism at that 45 coming in okay but like that is a little bit naive this feels this feels like something a guy that graduated from yale surrounded by yale people would do like fucking trace your dreams man What's, what's, right. So, right. so what if you throw your life savings into a pub, bro, and it fails? Like, pfft, you know, at least you tried, right? Well, yeah. You know, like this, like you have to have so much luck to succeed, and you know, like I'm, like I'm, I'm, I'm a person that's genuinely kind of uh, chased my dreams. Like this is kind of the whole bald move project, right? Mm-hmm. But like, I have a hard time giving people that advice without also saying that like there's, it's really scary for some people, like maybe this this movie it's like, like i said this this movie's got this thing it's like well you should just chase your dreams you shouldn't compromise your ideals you should always put yourself out there authentically but in the real world that's fucking risky man yeah like you're risking death and poverty and ruin not quite as bad as like the old like london debtors prisons but kind of getting there in some parts of society and it's kind of uh it, it's it's so, so it's like we're critiquing the artist uh, for not being brave enough to put themselves out there in a world that just brutalizes artists to take chances and society just decides not, well, we're not ready for that moment or whatever, or you just don't get noticed because there's a thousand other people trying to blaze new trails and it's all like luck and who, you know, and connections and hard work and talent, but also those other two things. So like, that's where it's like, man, like I felt bad for this guy getting reamed by his former mentor coming down off the mountain, giving all the Zen wisdom when, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's clearly made something that's successful, but so has Alan Ark. No, Adam Arkin in this movie, um, playing. I don't know his fucking name. It's, it's the dad of the truffle buyer. He's also a truffle buyer. He's a built restauranteer. He's like some kind of like mover, shaker, breaker, maker. He's like the mover and shaker in yeah. Portland. Apparently he, uh, he talks yeah. about how he owns every single truffle buyer, finder, restaurateur in the Tweeter city. Muscle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody. Um, he doesn't seem like a happy guy. He doesn't seem like a good guy. He doesn't seem like a guy who's gotten things that he actually wanted in life. He seems like a guy who chased the thing that was working and became this bitter old man yeah what's so, the so other what, side what, what is like, the right i mean the two sides two opposite sides of a coin what are the trade-offs that you make um and and what does that bring you right like okay yes you could try and you could fail and you could be poor and never you know live up to what kind of like success you could have had if you just chased the thing that worked as opposed to the thing you wanted to do or be and yeah. then you could end up like Adam Arkin, who did exactly that and is now a miserable old fuck. So, right. But, either but way, like, there's risk. Um, either way, like, do you want to be a successful asshole who who hates everything around him? Or do you want to be an unsuccessful person like Nicolas Cage who lives in the woods and is happy with their life? I, all, all perfectly valid questions. But I think that's what the movie is encouraging. Right. And that's the thing. It's like, it's like, do you want to be tiny Tim? Because because that's the thing It's like, do you want to be tiny Tim dying in the ditch of neglect and consumption or whatever the day before Christmas? Or do you want to be Scrooge? Who's a mm-hmm. miserable old prick, but he's rich as fuck. And I he's still dying uh, of, of 
I don't know, consumption. <laughs> just age, in a comfy bed. Be, be in, yeah. be in a, but, but like, that's the thing. It's like, uh, I guess I'd rather be Scrooge because if you're Scrooge, the ghost of Christmas future can always uh, scare you straight. You can give away some of your money. You can true. build a couple subway stations and you can cavort through the city and everyone's loving you because you're fucking rich. Like, yeah. but if you're Tiny Tim, you're dead in the ditch, then you're dead in the ditch. But and what if you're you Tiny Tim? Christmas future. So what if you're Tiny Tim and the pub that you open turns out everybody really fucking loves your fish and chips and now you're both the the rich uh successful side of adam arkin and the wholesome uh dream chaser that is this you are the exception approves the rule and congratulations for your right? for your success against the odds you could um, have it all you could have it all if oh, you and then the, other, it the movie all. also has the other like well you could have because and also if you fail then just go live out in the woods because it's like <laughs> right you know, almost like there's there's no cost at all to doing that. Um, I don't know. That, that's the thing. It's like I and that's saying like this is a little rich coming from uh, like a 25 year old kid. Uh, yeah. Who graduated from Yale. Sure. I mean, it's all so. I, so a little I, up I thought, ass for sure. I thought that the stuff that really connected me with it or really connected me to Nick Cage and the material were the many references to like Nick Cage no longer being like his character no longer being respected Dame. Yeah. Like I thought that was the interesting that like Nick Cage in not quite the twilight of his career, but like you can see it from here. The dawn the, the sun hasn't slipped below the horizon, but it's low in the sky. Um the yeah. fact that like if you would have said with a straight face last year that Nick is Nick Nick Cage is going to be in a deconstructed John Wick about his kid pig truffle pig being kidnapped and people are going to seriously talk about it being Oscared people would just laugh you out of the fucking room. Like just this mm-hmm. exact same way that uh, his character, Mr. Feld gets treated here. Like, who are you? You are nothing. You are no one. You have nothing of value to us. You mm-hmm. used to be, everyone says that you used to be, but now you're nothing. That's an interesting commentary, commentary on the Hollywood system and how like it uh, props you up and puts you up, but it has no problem, not just spitting you out, but like blacklisting you and abandoning you. And it's really um, about playing by its rules, right? That, that's yeah. the thing that keeps coming back up over the course of this movie is the the shape that the system as constructed is trying to hammer you into. And it's reflected in a lot of different ways in this movie. The The kid listening to like motivational classical music is all I can really think of. It's like some guy speaking in motivational tones or woman speaking in motivational tones over classical music. And this kid is just constantly throughout the movie listening to it right he's trying to live up to the reputation of his father and right because when you get to his house it's classical music being played all the fucking time it's like the merovingians (laughs) right and you know the the idea that like in order for me to be successful in the world that i'm entering i need to be this certain type of person Mm -hmm. who's like self-motivated and all these things Uh, i need this image and then by the end of the movie, he's turned that off, right? He's made the decision to turn that off because that's not what, that's not reality. That's not, you know, where he wants to be in the end of things. Um, Nick Cage right. is like teaching him sort of what matters in life over the course of this film. Mm-hmm. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Um, but that, yeah, like I said, the that point about Nick Cage feeling like he's been passed by, or even like I, I think the one inexplicable, uh, the scene I'm sure you're referring to is the Fight Club scene. Yeah, that's the scene. I'm like, what the? This doesn't belong in this movie. The only thing I, the the thing that I figured was that, like, because I was again, I was uh, thinking about this film through the lens of Nick Cage, thinking about his like, why does Nick Cage get this script and be like, fuck yeah, I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Because like, I think it appeals to him, the idea that like, you know, he's out, you know, he's this uh, <laughs> lizard shaman acting guy. It's a maverick. Uh, he's this maverick and he's on a pre- and he's done all this weird stuff and like Hollywood's kicking him and making fun of him. He's a joke. He's the guy that buys the voodoo houses and and, and the, the dinosaur Pyramid-shaped, skeletons. Uh, and he- mausoleums for his 
tomb. Yeah, yeah. And he tries to get on Superman with balding and with the body of Nick Cage. And <laughs> like, and then, and the fact that like Hollywood don't let you back unless you do this kind of like, uh, you know, like a lot of times going back to Hollywood is about humbling yourself and letting people, mm, that's as far yeah. as I can tell, this is an underground fight club where chefs or restaurant managers put their name up and then people who have they've worked with and have wronged put money down to just beat them up for a minute it's like the old you know like 15 years ago the first cell phone games were just punching celebrities and like blacking their eyes like it's is that only real life um yeah and him putting his like you know the nick cage up there and it's like oh i gotta get beat they'll never consider me for an oscar unless i've like taken my licks and gotten beaten up and kicked around. I feel like that probably appealed to him. Um, and that felt like a, a personal connection to the material. And that's like, I I saw all the other stuff, the anti-capitalist stuff, the, you know, return Mm -hmm. to nature, go back to monkey simplicity, the, like being authentically yourself is better than trying to uh, appeal to commercialism and all that kind of stuff. But like the thing that I really thought was interesting was like, yeah, this aging actor who was well regarded and is kind of perceived as a joke for the last 10 years, like trying to step back in that role and command all the respect. Um, I can see what that would appeal to him. Yeah. And I, I couldn't tell if, you know, it was part of the act uh, that he's putting on or if he really is just getting this old, but he definitely like moves like an older man, um, especially in those early scenes. A lot of slow walking, a lot of walking with the stick, a lot of like mm-hmm. half limps. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if that's just Nicolas Cage now, because I think he is almost getting up to 60. Is he how old is he now? He's in I his mid 50s, certainly. He's, uh, he might even be past 60. Uh, yeah, he's getting up there. Uh, I, yeah, but like also he got his ass kicked in a couple of points in this movie. So yeah, like, yeah. I feel like that. Even also, early on, though, that first scene, I was just thinking, man, he's moving like an old man. It's 57. Okay. 57 right now. Yeah. Um, then maybe it's not yeah. acting. Maybe it's just Nicolas Cage is uh, getting old because it happens. Yeah, could be. Um, but it suits the role. There's also some, like I said, there's like a, I feel like this is the type of movie that there's going to be a three hour YouTube video that has like all the 150 things that this movie is alluding to that you didn't. But I, I got a couple of them. like his fear of like Portland being destroyed in a tsunami. Yeah. And they mentioned his wife being killed in 2004. And that was, uh, the year that the, the big, was it Sri Lankan? The, uh, the, 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 the big, uh, that's, you know, yeah. the, the first tsunami that I can remember my adult life, like putting tsunamis back on the map was like, and then like all the re- breathless reporting about like, if this one island uh, hits a volcano, it's going to swamp all of. And if the Yellowstone fault ever triggers, it'll bury uh, Los Angeles. And like, you know, it's like all these doomsday. He is taking that like ultra, ultra seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's I don't know. Did you think there's any commentary on like doomerism? Like uh, the fact that the world's dying and no one seems to care about it and there's no fix in it. So the only response is to just withdraw from society and essentially wave the white flag and just accept. Accept annihilation. Um, I found that kind of depressing and unsatisfying. Yeah, and it's. The part of the characterization that I don't sympathize or agree with Um I think certainly we have a lot of hardships ahead of us and we need to all get on the same page about this shit to try and fix what problems we can. But I don't think it's the end of humanity. Um, I don't think that Portland's going to be swallowed by a 10 story high wave Uh, though. I certainly would say that things like that are possible. Um, You know, I, I, I wouldn't live my life planning around that. Um, I think that's foolish. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, at odds with so much of the rest of the characters values that I agree with that I like. Uh, so this was a very confusing movie, both, you know, narratively and also uh, from a character perspective. Yeah, because I'm conflicted I, about this guy. I mean, I thought a lot about this movie since I watched it. I because mm-hmm. I, I was trying to find other things about like, man, what I liked the movie better if Nick Cage had more definitively because kind of, like, again, this 
this uh, Walden Pond, you know, naturalist uh, survival cabin didn't seem like it was a place of kind of like, you know what, like like a reason that like I it is this this consumer culture is too much. I want to be happier and more simple. This seemed like a response to trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, his life lost his wife, the light of his life, and he withdraws from society and himself and he does just enough to, you know, keep from starving. Um, I'm like, yeah, it would have been better yeah. if at the end he uh, instead of going back to the cabin to wallow in his grief anew had like been like, you know what? I'm ready to rejoin society and maybe I don't open like a big gastro pub, but like but then I'm like, well, maybe that's too much. Uh, maybe the fact that he is befriending this, uh, uh, his mushroom buyer, mm-hmm. like forming a human connection is, is uh, while still wallowing in his grief cabin and all that kind of stuff. Maybe that's the, the realistic sign of progress. But then it's like, every time I use words like realistic, I come right into the teeth of the fight club scene. Right. And some of the other, like, again, like there's this, this scene really did not work for me. The slow motion, super low lux, uh, dark photography, romantic uh, nostalgia meal that he's cooking while he looks like Captain Caveman and he's covered in matted. His, his fur is matted with blood and grime and gore. Yeah. And he's play, like, that. I don't I'm sorry, man. And then to have Adam Arkin go full on Antoine fuckface from Ratatouille when he gets the first taste of that meal. I, dude, I, yeah. I don't know how you just lift from a, a Disney movie about rats at that climactic moment and not provoke anything but kind of titters from the audience. But 97% of the people saw that scene, even got the Ratatouille reference and thought, fuck oh, okay. bravo. I was going to suggest you know? that maybe those... uh highfalutin critics hadn't seen ratatouille i haven't seen ratatouille actually uh Uh, so i wasn't making those connections during that scene and i was fairly impressed by the scene i thought okay maybe yeah that's the the thing although i will say number one concern on both uh me and my wife's minds throughout this entire movie was uh the unsanitary nature of everything that Nicolas cage does every time he touches a piece of food he hands you know he's and I don't think he's washed his hands in, I don't know, 15 years. And then he hands this uh, Amir kid who's a mushroom buyer a piece of salted bread. And I guess he's just going to eat it. I don't, I don't know what kind of parasites and shit he's got on his fingers, mm-hmm. but That's it's not good. At least he washes his hands before the Arkin meal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But he doesn't wash his sleeve. He doesn't even roll up his sleeves. Yeah. I want to know how much beard hair, how much matted blood, mud, beard hair got into that. Uh, right lamb shank or whatever the hell it was um i don't know yeah. i like that scene i think thematically it it works very well if you if you kind of ignore yeah a little bit of the grossness um and and you know the sort of up your own ass nature of it i, I agree that that's there um is this idea that, that food is is kind of you know i i hear this all the time i've i've watched a lot of cooking shows i've watched a lot yeah. of travelogues i've i've seen everybody from guy fieri to fucking stanley tucci talk about yeah. how pasta in their mouth is like the the thing that makes life worth living uh mm-hmm. for guy fieri it's probably like a big hamburger or something or barbecue mm-hmm. i don't know uh and and every time it's always like god okay roll my freaking eyes cuz Yes, we all like good food, but good food isn't, you know, the meaning of life. Um, mm. But in movies like this, they kind of turn it into that. And so I roll my eyes at that. But at the same time, I like what it's doing thematically for these characters. Yeah. And I don't want to come after foodies like because like I didn't even felt like I come after fashion people in uh, Devil Wears Prada. Just kind of like I just don't get this. And also in the grand scheme of things, it's not the world's most important thing. I mean. I get it. Like I, I like food and uh, I like meals with people and I can understand like wanting to pursue like unique and like, you know, it's like anything else. If you're into food, you're into food, whatever. Mm-hmm. But like it is, this is quintessentially like first world shit that we're dealing with, you know, like when we're talking about like homes sure. and infusions and deconstructions and, and, and stuff like that. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think like Cage's I said, I, meal I is simpler, right? I mean, he's using just like full full bird carcasses. He's getting just salted bread, a salted baguette. 
uh, as part of that meal. Sure. Um, and an old bottle it, of wine. It is simple, but it's also it's recognizably not a or anything. It's also recognizably something you'd see plated for 60, 70 bucks at, uh, at a restaurant. And, and that's the oh, thing. Sure. It's like, yeah. it is a little weird for me to see that, that this guy say like, it's just the food that makes you happy to cook. Like, I was like, I can see a guy who runs like a fucking, you know, shepherd's pie, meat and potatoes, uh, Irish style pub saying that to Nicolas Cage with this lamb shank salted baguette shit. Yeah. Like, is this the food? Is this the is this what you you know, imagine yourself cooking for people, Robin? Like everyone, like it's I don't know. It's like once you decide to like get into any kind of pretentious thing, whether uh, any kind of pretentious art or any 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 appreciation art that can get pretentious, I feel like you lose the ability to look down your nose at people. I understand it's fun, but like you know, if you become a beer snob, then it's like kind of weird if you'd make fun of people, you know, like sidewaysing their wine. You know, like, look at those idiots sure. with their nose all the way in the snifters. By the way, you're talking about IBU units and yeah. like the what the Cascadia hops versus Appalachians or whatever the fuck you're doing. Like, come on. Tannins and persimmons. I, sure. Right. And and I felt like um, it was little his point to the guy making the, the foamy infusion stuff was a little cut short by the fact that he is very obviously if, you know, 15 years ago, he'd be called a pretentious, you know, by any working class person, he'd be called a pretentious foodie. I feel you, but I like also what they're doing because in that same scene, they're demonstrating what they're going to tell you in the final scene, which is I remember every meal I've ever cooked and I remember every customer I've ever served, which says a, that he has not served a lot of customers. He, he, these meals are very bespoke. Um, I would assume, or his memory is just fucking phenomenal. I feel like it was that, like his, he's this, he is John Wick. He's an exceptional person at very things that just, he happens to be a John Wick. That's a chef. Yeah. But I like that they have they have shown you that he remembers every meal he's ever cooked and every person who's ever worked for him. Right. Before they ever like tell you, because if they said that line earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. You would I would have laughed this movie, laughed at this movie's face because yeah. it, it wasn't earned. But I think by the time that they reveal his super memory, it is earned. Well, let me ask you this, because something that undercut that for me is I felt like Alex Wolf just 15 minutes earlier in the movie described to him this exact meal. Mm hmm. Um, so but, but he like, couldn't describe he, he could he couldn't describe the actual meal. He could only describe the right. feeling that his parents got okay. from it and, and their okay. attitude, their mood when they came home. OK, OK. Um, you know, there's so the like, fact I'm that a- he knows which meal that was and which okay. bottle of wine okay. it was and. And, and um, who they were. Yeah. All of that. And then the fact that like, I guess Alan Arkin would also remember maybe, I guess he probably would. Cause he's like a foodie and he'd remember a standout experience, like having this uh, meal at the chef and he cooks it right. You know, the exact, but like it, I wasn't sure exactly what they were going for. I mean, there's clearly something that like all three of these men had this shared loss of this woman that had yeah. driven them into maniacal uh, competitivism, uh, the other one into slavish devotion and trying to copy and earn praise and, and a place in the family, and the other one into a depression cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all about them kind of like dealing, you know, being forced to deal with, with that, you know? Yeah. Because um, I, I guess that's the thing is like, because Adam Arkin's wife said that she was said to commit suicide, but she's still alive. Um, yeah. And I'm wondering, like, I wasn't sure if that, that, that the kid didn't understand the situation or maybe she's only being kept alive by like some kind of heroic measures in this guy's wealth because he just can't. It, 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 it's yeah, I think it's that. Because, yeah, I think like, she's totally uh, brain dead. Just you know, she's intubated. Right, but she's it's on the Nick Cage thing where it's like, I. I almost wish I hadn't started looking for this pig because yes. I could have been happy pretending that she was still alive, finding truffles for someone else. And now that I know and I've done with this, it's like Adam's probably the same way at the machine. Like if I shut this machine off and she dies then I have to deal with the fact my wife is dead. And the kid is the same way. He won't go in the room and actually visit her. Right. Because right. if he doesn't see her, if he doesn't, you know, acknowledge that she's dead, she can still yeah. live in his head. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are, clever about the construction of this film and i guess maybe yeah. that's the thing is like if i take a, a, a few steps back and i see the whole thing instead of like uh seeing it the one time that i was trying to kind of like um I, I did feel like the movie has intentionally confounded me because like it's like okay this is uh 
you know, he's this truffle hunter and he's a good and uh, uh, he does this and he's this kind of gruff guy and all oh, they steal his pig and oh, we're at an underground fight club. This is where the movie's going to fucking right in the high cage gear and they just completely subvert that. And then there's this like one scene where he del- I forget, like the kick off the third act, he delivers some kind of like, you know, gravelly Nick Cage, like you're fucking right. We're going to you know, get our revenge. I forget exactly what he says, but it's like, you kind of feel the stir of like, is now, is there going to be some kind of fucking ice pick, uh, eat his liver with some, uh, you know, fava beans and nice Chianti kind of like what, what is, what is the thing? And the, the movie just never, ever, ever gave you that. Um, what I think it subconsciously thought that you wanted. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, that's the thing that both like flummoxed me, but also, kind of kept me interested too it's like mm-hmm. when is this movie going to do the thing that i expect it to do and it never does uh and <laughs> you know it starts to lean that direction that fight club scene is is in retrospect i i really strongly dislike it i think it has no place in this movie but but that energy so, somewhere along the way that energy needed to be there and i wish they would have just got it in a different way well see there's the other thing is like i feel i felt um that fight club scene does a couple things. It lets the stuffy people like, cause otherwise this film would be just unbearably yeah. boring. No, this, and, this would be affair. like, uh, so yeah, an a 24 Phil. And, and like, if I, I, I look at all the scenes where like, I'm like this movie, this hurt the pacing or the, the tone of the film and took them out. I'm kind of left with the conclusion. This is like a 63 minute film, short film. Yeah. And like it feels padded with some long scenes. Like I, I quite enjoyed the scene uh, where Nicolas Cage sits with a little boy and talks about persimmons and mm-hmm. what makes them better over time. And I felt like that's another thing going back to like Nick Cage reflecting on his career as an actor and yeah, you know, yeah. like uh, that kind of stuff. But like it's a five minute scene that is in there to, I think, make it to where it's a fucking 90 minute film. Um, but also the everything that's but that's too dismissive because like. Um, every part of this film does double, sometimes triple duty. It's mm-hmm. either telling you, like, you know, we talked about how, okay, uh, Nick Cage is an outdoorsman. Uh, Nick Cage is a minimalist outdoorsman. Nick Cage is a minimalist outdoorsman that's just spends all of his time at a cabin with a pig to the point that he doesn't even engage in conversation. Yeah. Nick Cage is that guy to the extent that his car doesn't work. He has to do minor repairs on his car. It's been so long since it's been started. Like they keep on with with his like voice little... barely works when he needs it, right? Like right, like they 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 do this really good job, and that's what I'm saying. Like all like so, I, I don't want to dismiss the Fight Club scene because I think that thing's doing three different things. It's doing something that's like it's getting a pulse out of the fucking movie mm-hmm. where it's about to flatline. It's giving the critics something interesting to subvert and talk about, and it also is. A commentary on the brutal restaurant industry of Portland, which I think is sure. also a commentary on the brutal environment of, uh, you know, getting a, something produced in Hollywood. And again, I don't know what I had to make of a critic, this critic coming from a 25 year old uh, recent Harvard grad, Yale grad that got flipped, you know, 15 million dollars and <laughs> another Yale written script and Nick Cage like damn dude I mean, you're right it's you. a fucking uh, dog eat dog darwinist list survival of the fittest out there How, congratulations for scrapping your way to the top but again that's i don't know like that's yeah. i don't know if that's valid criticism that's just me being an old shit that's just me being yeah uh, it's a little bit of gatekeeping right like oh people who have any privilege whatsoever can't talk about the the nature of uh what makes life worth living because they've got it all right I, yeah yeah, there's a little it, bit of gatekeeping. Is this a difference between Johnny, Car- Johnny, Johnny uh, Cash covering Hurt at the age of like 26 and him mm-hmm. doing it like six months before he dies? Sure. Of, of being an old ass outlaw of country rock star. Like, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, I don't know. There's, it's a different gravitas coming from, you know, like, like uh, it's one of the reasons Trent said the man stole a song because, yeah. you know, if you're singing Hurt at 27, that's, that's one thing, but you're singing that at 77, one foot in a grave and the other in a banana peel. That's a whole other fucking meaning to it, you know? For sure. I don't want to understate like how much I thought this was going to be John Wick, though, um, based on what I knew going in and based on everything it was building at the beginning. Like there is violence at the beginning, right? That's a violent scene when the pig is taken. Uh, and then 
you know, he, he goes to the city and he's sort of rebuffed by this guy that he thought might help him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he goes to his secret underground lair. And the setup for this is so fucking John Wick. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not even a deconstruction of John Wick. It is John Wick. There's a mm-hmm. secret underground hotel that he goes to a literal underground mm-hmm. now at this point hotel that he goes to where there is a fight club. Uh, it, and, and I was thinking like, man, this is going to be John Wick AF. I'm just going to watch Nicolas Cage, it, you know, dropping bodies for the next hour. Mm-hmm. And it was such a, I don't know if it was a relief or a disappointment when it didn't happen. I, pr- probably because I like this movie, it was a relief, but I could have watched that movie too. I could have watched that. That movie had been a lot of fun. And like this movie yeah. was interesting. And like I said, I'm going to definitely watch this film at least one more time because Cecily was scandalized that I had to watch it for work before she could watch it. Mm, yeah. um, so I'm going to have to watch it again. Uh, I want to oh, watch boy. it again because again, okay. like what is this now that I know what it is and also I know how like loaded with like meaning it is. I can go and like, you know, scene by scene kind of dissect it. Cause I, this movie is extraordinarily well made. Like you're talking about the like the pretense of violence in the beginning. Like I thought that was a really well made shot that like extremely low light cabin, his isolation, the coyotes howling, the pig, like the, the yeah. unsettled of nature, uh, the violence of busting in the pig squealing and screaming in the background. Like it was like I said, this guy knows what the fuck he's doing and he knows the, what buttons he pushes to make you feel certain things. But like I said, by the time I got to the end of this movie, I felt like one of those poor dudes being tortured by the machines in the Animatrix, where it's like, you know, <laughs> oh, I'm no. strung out and there's a thing going into my brain and I'm like laughing. Ha ha ha. And then another one comes and I'm sobbing and like, uh, and, but the thing is, is boy, none of those buttons worked, right? Like I did not feel the things that like I saw what was happening with the shot and like what I'm supposed to be feeling. But at no time that I actually Okay. Uh, when Nick Cage finally got confronted with the pig's uh, death, like I did not crack a tear. Uh, like I was just intellectually absorbed by the experience, but strangely not touched mm. at all. And I'm pretty. E- I just was talking about that lunch two weeks ago. I've been a pretty fucking easy mark lately. You know, the right yeah. fucking commercial can get me going. <laughs> but like this thing that everyone's talking about is like what a great meditation on loss and grief and you know, on we with the society we have today and that stuff that like, I'm really sympathetic to. And it, it just did not touch me. I, I noticed it all and dutifully checked Mark. Yep. That's the thing. But like, it didn't actually push the button. I, I so. feel you. I agree right up until that scene, uh, with Adam Arkin where he eats the food and then it started to get me a little bit. I'm like, hmm. okay, this is, this is a moving moment for a character to have, this u-turn with a single bite of of a meal um yeah it 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 got me a little bit but it's certainly not as much as a lot of other movies have i think it was more an intellectual exercise for me uh so yeah i i get it it makes sense uh yeah i i it's it it'll be it will be interesting if this does pick up like oscar steam yeah um and like if it got like you know if it gets i I wouldn't know what to make of it to be honest um but uh i mean good for nick cage i guess um it is nice to like i it is nice to have people talking about the fact that because i know that's something you know we just did a season of the cage film fest like two years ago right where we were talking Mm -hmm. about the, the 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 range of him and like his good films his bad films his gonzo films the fact that like every film he's in is almost always worth watching because the fact that he's in it. And uh, I think this film kind of typifies that. Uh, the only thing that surprises me is just how much everyone is just loving it. Like just, yeah. just unironically holding it up as like an utter success of this, this very new uh, raw director who's got a lot of promise and this old uh, actor who had a lot of promise and, and uh, it's just, yeah, it uh, if people are talking about the way it was like Mandy, like as highly polarizing, mm-hmm. that would make sense to me. But it's being talked of as, as if this is like uh, like Big Fish, like if, if fucking uh, Nick Cage was in Big Fish. Sure. This is not Big Fish for me anyway. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I do like the movie. I think uh, Nicolas Cage is great in it. 
but I don't know that I would say he deserves. I, I mean, he's already won an Oscar, right? He won one for Leaving mm-hmm. Las Vegas. Is that right? Didn't he get? Did he get? Did he win or just get nominated for uh, Moonstruck? Oh, maybe he won for Moonstruck. I don't know. He certainly has won an Academy Award at some point. Yeah, um, he's gotten a couple noms for sure. This is a man who can act, and I I think he did a good job here, but I don't think it was a very demanding performance. But overall. I think this was a success. I think it, it's a success in the way that early directors often have success, which is, you know, there are some edges that that they need to sand off and then it'll be uh, the right shape. But it, I don't know. I appreciate this movie for what it is, even though I expect it to be something entirely different. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking forward, I guess, to what Sarnowski does in his next film. Yeah, I definitely like this guy's got all the tools in the tool chest. Uh, I expect that he'll have a pretty terrific career. If, uh, mm-hmm. You know, imposter if imposter syndrome and drugs and alcohol doesn't get in, then he's, <laughs> he's probably you know he's got every, all the makings of uh, a really fine director. And and yeah. I even though I'm a little negative, like I'm in the position of like saying that this is I this is a good movie that's well made and interesting. Yeah, it's just I'm I guess I'm pushing it back against the crazy praise I'm seeing it get. Like if this was like. 78 percent uh with like a 56 percent audience approval rating i'd be like okay yeah that makes sense but like it's 97 with like an 88 audience so i'm just the odd man out in this conversation i think critics like to be surprised and this movie is kind of surprising oh 100 percent uh but also it's like it it's surprising that it only only surprising is it's a nick cage film that does this because nothing else in this film i found i guess that's the thing nothing felt surprising other than the fact that but nothing felt predictable though like that's the thing every time i Mm, thought i knew where this movie was gonna zig it zagged so i and for that reason i'm saying i think everyone should see this film if you like nick cage if you you like prestige films like this is going to be something that a lot of people are talking about and uh most people are, are really liking it so again i am the outlier uh, it's a well-crafted movie with a lot of big ideas that I think are interesting and, and worth talking about. Um, so, yeah. And I'm done talking about him. Me too. Uh, <laughs> we'll be back with another prestige film next week. Thank you for listening. In the meantime, until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See you later.